Welcome to the Choose You Now podcast. I'm your host, Juliana Hever, and welcome back to a very special podcast Q&A, the first one of 2022. We've got our fabulous producers here, producer Adam and producer Sanford. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. What's up? Happy New Year-ish, new-ish year. And when is it okay to stop saying Happy New Year? Because I keep saying it. I say happy newish year until the end of January. And then I'm just like, hey. You have a whole protocol, apparently. I do. I do. I'm also nuts. So there you go. <laughs> well, nuts are healthy. Yep. <laughs> and, leg- and legumes and fruits. And vet- right, I get it. Yeah. All right. What we got? Our first question is on Facebook from Laura. Laura wants to know, I've always thought that it was best to work out on an empty stomach. Is that accurate? Also, what are your thoughts on after working out regarding eating? When and what should be eaten? I love this question, Laura. This question is for me too. So there you go. And this question happens to be from my absolutely adorable cousin, Laura. (laughs) Thank you for asking this on Facebook. It's so cute to see your adorable name. I love this woman so much. She's adorable. Okay. So Laura, I'm glad that you're exercising. And I want to say one thing about this. The best time to exercise is whenever you'll exercise. There really is no best way because it can get in the way. It's like an obstacle for so many people to get out there and do something that I just encourage people to exercise whenever. That said, what should you have in your stomach depends on what time of day and what you're doing. Like I know some you know people that go running, you can't have too much in your stomach or you're going to feel it and you're going to be uncomfortable. Or if you are going to do a, a five-hour workout, that's very different than having a half-an-hour workout. So it very much depends on what you're doing, what you would feel specifically and how and how and how far before. So I would say play with that. I would say make sure that if you're going to do a long distance type of thing that you have adequate fuel with you and ready to go during the event. But um, the most important meal really is the post workout. And again, this depends on what you're doing. Is this an endurance event? Is this a strength event? All of that really depends on uh, what you would, what I would recommend. So definitely eat, you know, healthy. I always recommend the same thing. It doesn't matter. You don't have to have a special type of meal after. If you have a big event, you know, you want to make sure you're getting your electrolytes replenished. So that means if you're doing like over an hour, hour and a half, that's usually the guidelines of endurance activity or anything out in heat, then you want to replenish with some electrolytes, not just water to avoid a condition called hyponatremia, which we've talked about here on the show. Uh, And also, you know, healthy food is healthy food no matter when you eat it. So of course I'm going to say eat something whole food plant-based and it doesn't matter what it is or when it is. It doesn't matter if it's a quote unquote breakfast food or anytime food, but you know, you want to get some variation of vegetables, fruits, whole grains, legumes, mushrooms, nuts, seeds, herbs, and spices. (laughs) We're all bobbling our heads (laughs) in infinite tasty combinations. And there's some, you know, you'll notice, like I think with training, I work with a lot of athletes and what I have my athletes do is keep a food and symptom journal and an exercise journal. So you're documenting which foods seem to go best through the GI tract and which seem to be best for fueling and having that endurance. And then with recovery, you know, anything with all of these whole plant foods are going to be flooding your system with phytonutrients that are antioxidative and anti-inflammatory, which you need after a heavy workout, right? You, you're basically, when you work out, you get all these free radicals formed because you're breathing heavier, blah, blah, blah. You're tearing down your body in a good way, but you want to replenish that with healthy nutrition as best as possible. So of course, go back to the six daily threes, you know, prioritize the legumes and the nuts and seeds, leafy green vegetables, other colored vegetables, fruits, and um, mushrooms, 
I always forget a category. No, that's every, I think that's all the, all the six categories, but just optimized, optimized nutrition is going to be wonderful. And then use your instinct. And I also would caution against preemptive eating. This is a problem that a lot of people have. It's like, oh, I'm going to be working out for an hour. So I need to make sure I'm pounding, blah, 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 you know, make sure I get enough food or afterwards, you know, I always have this discussion with people that because you worked out, you feel like you quote unquote earned more food or earned less healthy food. And I would invite you to see this as an opportunity to just stay on a healthy plan overall and exercise is definitely part of it. And, uh, and watch your food journal, food symptom and exercise journal to see what foods work best for you during these events and after. I have, I have an extra question that, that we have not planned for, but I'm just curious. So should you eat after a workout? Is there a window that you should eat in after a workout, no matter what time of day? Should I eat within two hours of finishing my workout? I'm making that up, by the way. But is, is there a, a rule? It's such a good question. I was obsessed with this when I was in graduate school. In fact, I did all this sports nutrition because I was obsessed because I was a trainer at the time. And there was a lot of evidence suggesting that there's this, there's a special window. They called it the, it was like the metabolic window or something. And it was like within an hour, make sure you're getting well, this many grams of protein. This and so I don't know how accurate it is. There's like, I think there's evidence on both sides of that which is why I don't want people to get so nervous about stuff. Like I don't remember I'm like the weird dietitian that doesn't calculate macros or calories or any of that. So I think there's a lot of instinctual stuff that happens when you work out, when you're hungry, I recommend waiting till you're a little hungry or hungry. I don't, I don't know if there's enough of an advantage to make it worth eating preemptively. So may, you know, most people are hungry within an hour, depending on what you ate before. So there's so many variables that get in the way here that general, generally speaking, I would say aim to eat healthy when you get hungry post-workout. That's awesome. Thank you for that uh, question, Cousin Laura. Thank you, Cousin Laura. <laughs> we're, all, we're all family here at Choose You Now. We are. Um, our next question also comes from Facebook. Ashley, Ashley, this is a question right after my own heart. Ashley wants to know, are there any healthy treats besides dates or something like banana ice cream? She's trying to avoid getting processed dairy-free ice creams, but she does want something fun. Don't well, we, don't we all, Ashley? <laughs> yes, we all want something fun. And so here's where I would categorize this as a day of deliciousness. I have a different philosophy. Again, we're dietitian or just different dietitian here. My philosophy is I want you to love your food. Like I want everything to be delicious. Every meal should be tantalizing and healthy and, you know, healthy treats I feel like could be an oxymoron. So I like to use this principle of day of deliciousness, which means when you want to have something that would be not ideally healthy, you know, like, I mean, I think, but you know, anything like a nice cream, you know, that's like basically frozen bananas and you could add cacao or you could add fruits and people get really super creative. Um, and like, for instance, another treat that I like to do is my chocolate chip pumpkin muffins. I'm kind of obsessed with those. Whenever I have guests, that's what I serve. But, you know, you could find your thing. But again, it's what you do once in a while. So if you're overall eating a super healthy diet, then you could plan a day of deliciousness where you have a meal that you really, really want that's quote unquote fun because I think all healthy food can be fun. I'm a little bit biased in that, but I've seen a lot of people feel the same way. I'm not the only one. So finding like that special meal that you really want, like for instance, if it's your birthday or it's a super special occasion. But remember that these things happen all the time. There's always a way to celebrate and we celebrate over food. And this is where people get into problems, right? Like this is where, well, it's just the holidays. It's just one more birthday party. It's just blah, blah, blah. All the time there's something. I don't know why I keep saying blah, blah, blah these days. You guys, I'm sorry. But um, 
Anyway, I would say plan whatever it is. There's always tons of whole food plant-based treats. I mean, there's everything. You can go on my website. I've got all sorts of dessert, quote unquote, dessert recipes and uh, sweets and all that stuff made from wholer foods. Like I use usually maple syrup or dates or date paste or date syrup as the sweetener if you really if you're looking for something sweet. But definitely if you're gonna have something like a dairy-free ice cream, make that a day of deliciousness and then get back on plan. Because if you do this day after day or week after week or more frequently than than really is ideal, you will see this show up in your labs. You will see stuff come up. And that's what I'm seeing now that everything you could eat, anyone could eat vegan. I'm seeing a lot of people have issues with their health because they're eating all those highly processed foods. So find the wholest version possible and eat them rarely. And then once in a while, if you really want to have something quote unquote fun or off your plan, go for it. Enjoy every single bite of it. Savor every single bite and then move on back to plan so that it doesn't become an issue. I love that. That's a great answer. Thank you, Ashley. Thanks for that question, Ashley. Um, Is Ashley your cousin too, Juliana? I don't think so. Okay, great. Uh, Just checking. Um, Our next question is from Jan. Jan, this is what Jan says. I'm taking beep complex now for MTHFR and I've started a plant-based journey. Congratulations, Jan. That's great. Should I continue with my beet complex? Will it be enough or too much if I'm adding things like nutritional yeast? My first question, and Adam, can you nod yes or no? I have no idea what MTHFR is. Adam, do you know what that is? Uh, yeah, it, it's worth like 25 points in Scrabble. No, I, have no <laughs> I've, I have no idea what this is. Uh, I thought, I figured that maybe Juliana could educate us. Uh, Juliana, please educate us. Educate Jan and us, please. MTHFR, probably Jan knows what it is since she has that gene, but basically it is a gene. And I don't think it would work in Scrabble because it's an acronym for this really long name called methylenetetrahydrofolate reductase. Try to say that 10 times fast. Basically, it's a gene that provides instructions for your body to make another MTHFR protein, which helps your body process folate, and your body needs folate to make DNA and modify proteins. So we all carry two copies of MTHFR, and but there's these like different variants. And so some people, there's a common, common, uh, more common than I thought that some people have this variant where they have to be aware of this and they have to be careful of having high homocysteine levels. So it's also something that people need to worry about when they're pregnant in terms of avoiding neural tube defects in their children. This is what we talk about when we talk about folic acid. And this is why, hi daddy, not now. <laughs> my, my parents always call in the middle of something. Um, so basically you need to keep it in mind if you're pregnant and you need to keep it in mind if you've got this, this gene variant. And what does that mean? You know, we have to worry, you always have to worry about homocysteine. Everyone does because this can be caused from all sorts of things like low thyroid hormones, other chronic conditions like diabetes or obesity, certain medications affect your homocysteine levels, smoking. So basically, if you have this gene, make sure you're monitoring your homocysteine levels. And of course, this always comes back to B12. So I would prefer you get, I don't recommend B complex to my clients at all because I don't want you to take folic acid. I'd rather you get it from folate. So welcome to the plant-based journey. I'm very happy for you, Jan. I would suggest getting lots of leafy green love in abundance because the leafy greens are going to give you that, that folate. And then I always recommend supplementing with vitamin B12. Now there is some evidence that you need to take uh, the B12 form of methylcobalamin rather than the one that I always recommend for the general population, which is cyanocobalamin. But the dosing would be about the same. And I recommend doing 50 micrograms twice a day of B12 
Or if you don't like to take pills twice a day, like most people, 150 micrograms once a day. Or if you just want to take it once a week, it's 2,500 micrograms once a week. You could just take one pill and be done with it and um, monitor your plasma homocysteine. But your plant-based diet is going to be ideal. You're going to get all the other B vitamins in abundance if you stick to eating the whole foods and look at the six daily threes. I love that. Um, just because we referenced uh, Scrabble, um, two incredible Scrabble words that get you with tons of points are ZA, Z-A, and Qi, Q-I. You're welcome, listeners. Um, it's, it's, it's sort of piggybacking on Jan's question, um, uh, Ness actually sent us a question about B12, and they want to know how much adults, uh, how much of B12 should adults and kids be consuming weekly in supplement forms? This is a nice little tie-in right here. It is. And thank you for that really great tip on Scrabble because I, I do need that. And and key, the QI, I think, means chi, doesn't it? The energy form of energy is like a version of chi. Is that correct? You think, you think I know? Oh, okay. I don't know. <laughs> we'll have to Google it. All right, Ness, thank you for your question. I'm going to go back to what I just said. It's the same dosing for everyone, for adults. So the adult dosing, I'll say it again. And by the way, if you go to my website, plantbaseddietitian.com, and you search for B12, I have this all written there so you don't have to memorize this. But again, for adults, the dosing is either 50 micrograms twice a day. I really, this is so important, you guys. I had another client come to me with B12 deficiency this week. So please mind your B12. Anyone, anyone over the age of 50, no matter how much meat you eat or how much meat you don't eat, please supplement with B12. Anyone on a plant-based diet, no matter your age, please supplement with B12. So I'm going to say the dosing one more time because it's so important. 50 micrograms twice a day or 150 micrograms once a, once a day or 2,500 micrograms once a week. Now we're talking about children. She also asked about children and that's a really good question. So here's the thing. Like if you look at the dosing recommendations for B12 for adults from the Institute of Medicine, it's much less than what I recommend. And the reason for that is this crazy... Uh, absorption curve. I always say B12 is the pickiest vitamin with an attitude problem, and that's why we dose it a little higher. So even if you go to Institute of Medicine and look up the B12 recommendations for kids, because it changes throughout the lifespan, right? An infant needs less than a child's age one to three, and then it's four, whatever. They, they, they stratify it based on age, and it's different. And so what I'm going to default to is the supplement that I recommend and what they offer for kids, and it recommends 50 micrograms for those aged one to three, and 100 micrograms for those aged more than age, for those more than four years, four years old and older. But um, yeah, make sure your children are getting B12. That's that's definitely important if you're on a plant-based diet. Awesome. Um, update key. This is what it means. Okay. The circulating life force whose existence and properties are the basis of much Chinese philosophy and medicine. That's right. Who knew? Thank you. Who, who that's knew? what Tai Chi is for- based on. Tai Chi or moving energy. Oh. Okay, so that sort of fits into what we're doing here. Um, Our next question is from Patricia on Facebook. Patricia wants to know if there are any natural remedies for postmenopausal brain fog and hormone depletion. Well, alas, Patricia, this is a great question. You can now go back to the Sunday of the 16th episode with Dr. Neil Barnard and listen to him because he has a book on hormones. And what it comes down to, I'm going to just summarize this in this simple way. Uh, I, I know is always oversimplifying, but it really is this way is making sure you're getting a nice, well-balanced whole food plant-based diet. You are, you know, moving and getting some exercise. You are working on stress reduction, maybe meditating, whatever kind of stress reduction activities. And um, yes, postmenopausal brain fog and hormone depletion is an interesting 
topic, but I would listen to Dr. Neil Barnard, who is more of an expert in this field and um, proper supplementations, all that stuff is really important for that. Awesome. Very nice. Adam, do you have any uh, Scrabble recommendations of your own? Hmm. Not yet. No? Okay. Well, maybe you'll think about it during Juliana's answer. Answer? Juliana's answer. (laughs) For for Juliana's answer for the next question. I'll think more about Scrabble then. (laughs) Okay. Um, uh, I have advice. I have advice. Don't play my mother because she will kick your butt. (laughs) I'm more of a boggle guy. But anyway, let's move on. I love it. Um, Okay. Jocelyn on Instagram uh, wants to know, Juliana, vitamin D supplement, yes or no? Is summer vitamin D enough for the rest of us? I love this question. I do too. And it's a really important question. So vitamin D is known as the sunshine vitamin, which I love. It's calciferol is vitamin D. It's not only a vitamin, but it's also a a hormone. So it's a pro-hormone that our skin produces upon exposure to the UVB rays from the sun. So we go out into the sun, assuming we have sun and we're at the right latitude, we absorb UVB rays into our skin because we're ideally out there without sunscreen and ideally out there with very little clothing, which, you know, we don't do this all year long, which is why summer is more optimal. But then the our skin absorbs it and then our liver and kidneys beautifully converted into the hormonally active form, 125 dihydroxy vitamin D3. That would be a great Scrabble word, by the way. Yeah. And it's basically known as cholecalciferol once it's in that active form. Now, here's the issue. Most of us aren't in the sun and most of us don't have the good latitude. And many of us are covering up and slathering ourselves with sunscreen because a lot of people are afraid of skin cancer, which is a valid concern. Um, And the only significant dietary sources of vitamin D are like fortified milk or margarine, fatty fish, some eggs sometimes, and some mushrooms if they've been treated with UV rays. You could actually treat your mushrooms with UVB rays, you know, like literally take your mushrooms and stick them outside and let them absorb the sun. Isn't that kind of cute? I don't do that to my mushrooms, but they might like it. I don't know. I live in California, but I'll tell you this. This has nothing to do with a plant-based diet really because vitamin D deficiency has become this vitamin D vitamin du jour over the last, I don't know, many years, maybe 15 years at this point, it's been a long time where people are talking about vitamin D deficiency globally, not related to diet. Why? Because again, people are not outdoors. There's a lot of obesity in the world that affects absorption. We're not, we're wearing too much sunscreen, too many, too much clothing. We need a new hippie era where we all take off our clothes and get outside maybe, but it's been an issue. And so what do we do with this? Well, I don't like blindly supplementing because it's, a, it's unlike B12, which is a water-soluble vitamin. Vitamin D is a fat-soluble vitamin, so it is possible to have too much vitamin D. Now, you might have heard about this over the last you know, couple of years because they're seeing associations with vitamin D levels and COVID and morbidity and mortality with COVID. So vitamin D is so significant. It comes into play with vitamin, for um, bone health and immunity. And so it is something that you need to be aware of. So instead of blindly supplementing because it's a fat-soluble nutrient, I recommend getting your blood tested. And the NIH says that if you get at least 20 nanograms per milliliter, that will meet the needs of 97.5% of the population for adequate bone health and overall health. But there's a lot of evidence, especially with COVID, to support higher optimal levels of at least 30 nanograms per milliliter. So ask this and for other chronic disease prevention too. So ask your physician to get vitamin D tested. If you are at optimal levels, great awesome, lucky you. Most people are not. There's a global level of deficiency. If you are low, you can try sun therapy if you're in a good place latitude-wise and sun-wise and go out without sunscreen in the middle of the day with as much skin exposed as possible. Um, 
and then retest, but most people don't even respond to sun therapy. So if not, then you can supplement a good kind of baseline dose for supplementing. If you're moderately low, would be about 2000 IU a day, but some people, you can go safely up to about 5000 IU a day to um, bring your levels up. I normally take about 2000 IU just daily. That's in my multi that I take because my levels are okay. And that's what I tell my clients. But if you're really low, your doctor's going to do a actual prescribed high dose levels of D to bring your levels up, but you can only do that temporarily because again, it's fat soluble and it is possible to become toxic. So of course, this is just general information. Go to your healthcare provider to get official diagnosis of vitamin D status and recommendations. Very nice. Very good. So interesting. There was a little t-shirt idea in there, by the way, with that mushroom. What was that mushroom thing in the sun? No, if you want, if you want to just like Put your little mushrooms and set them in the sun. You guys could sunbathe together. It's kind of cute, actually. I love my mushrooms, so I might put them out for this one. <laughs> Coming to the Choose You Now merch shop in 2022. Yeah. That's a knowledge bank right there. That was great. So our next question is from Facebook from Sharon. So this is what Sharon says. She knows that fermented foods are good for us, but she wants to know if we have to worry about the high salt content. Well, thank you, Sharon Vitullo, for your fabulous question. It's a really good one. We've never addressed this on the show. Fermentation is basically one of the most ancient and economical methods of food preparation in the world. And that's kind of exciting, right? It's defined as a technology in which the growth and metabolic activities of microorganisms are used in food preservation. So it's become that these fermented foods and beverages have been indispensable in the human diet since ancient times, which I never really thought about that. But of course, that's, the, you know, we hear about that um, frequently throughout the, the literature. And what they've seen is that fermented foods exhibit really some beneficial health effects, as Sharon alluded to. They've seen there's associations with reducing blood cholesterol levels, increasing immune function, protecting against pathogens, which is really important right now, right? Fighting carcinogenesis, which is the process of cancer development. Osteoporosis, there's links with this, uh, decreased risk for diabetes, obesity, allergies, atherosclerosis. So it is important to include some fermented foods. And what are fermented foods? There's all sorts. There's all sorts of animal versions of it, but in terms of the plant kingdom, there's sauerkraut or kimchi has become super popular and fabulously delicious. Fermented soybeans like miso and natto, which is a great way to get your K2 if you can stand it. I hate it <laughs> personally. There's all olives that are fermented. There's all sorts of things. But yes, watch the salt. The American Heart Association recommends no more than 2,300 milligrams a day, but ideally, and what I recommend is to limit it to no more than 1,500 milligrams a day for most adults, but especially if you have high blood pressure. The problem is that like salt is everywhere, it's ubiquitous, and it makes food taste better. So any restaurant is going to slather on the salt because it tastes better, but it's, you know, puts you at risk for a lot of things, stomach problems, you know, cancer in your stomach, um, cardiovascular disease. So definitely mind your sodium. So I definitely always look at the label for how much and just keep it minimal. Keep it on the down low. Very good. Very good. I love that. Okay. Our next question is from Marie on Facebook. Marie has a question regarding beets. And so she says, for my blood pressure, I do drink half a cup of beetroot juice every day. Is that too much? And she does have good control of her blood pressure. So what do you Great think? Great question. We've never talked about beets on this show. And beetroot, beta vulgaris, has been highlighted as an ergogenic compound, which you would probably appreciate, Sanford, because that basically is like a supplemental type of thing that is intended to enhance physical performance. So it's an ergo ergogenic compound or ergogenic aid are what people use in the sports world to like 
boost performance and recovery. And actually, most of them don't work, but beetroot happens to have some really good efficacy results. So definitely it's good for that. And it's also good for blood pressure. There is some really good evidence about it because basically beetroot is really high in inorganic nitric oxide. So this is a wonderful complementary treatment for hypertension. So it's cool that you are drinking half a cup. But what's also interesting is, you're right, do you need to do this every day? A great question. I found a study, I had to go look into the literature for this. I found a study in the Journal of American College of Cardiology that showed, you know, the, the, the results were one week of daily dosing with beetroot beetroot juice significantly improved um, their aerobic endurance and blood pressure in elderly. But then there was another study that showed uh, no significant changes after three weeks. Like maybe there's like a threshold effect. So I don't know the answer to that. So maybe if you have good control of your blood pressure, maybe you take a break from it, maybe you come back to it. I can't foresee any problems with beetroot juice. Like I haven't read of anything with toxicity of it because it's just a wonderful whole food. I mean, it's a, it's a juice of a whole food, but um, I, I see no problem taking it if you're loving it. I don't know if it would improve more if you did it, if you took a break and then went back to it. I really don't have a good answer for you, except that it's great that it's working. There's a really cute article too called Enjoy Your Heartbeats, B-E-E-T-S. Um, that's up on, you could just, you can Google that um, if you want to learn more about how the mechanism of action by which nitric oxide contributes to cardiovascular homeostasis and blood flow and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, so I don't know the answer. I would say if it's working great, if you want to take a break, try it and see what happens to your blood pressure. Always get to monitor and uh, study yourself. I always encourage my clients, my audience to study yourself. You know yourself best. And the best way to do that is with the food and symptom journal, monitor closely, become an expert in you. Do you want to warn people about the effects of beets when they go to pee? Actually, it's when they go <laughs> number two, if you want to really. Oh, is that true? Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize. But that but that really does alarm a I'm lot so of people. I'm so glad you said that. So as a dietitian, we love to talk about stool and it's really important to be aware of your stool as well. Not not usually a dinner conversation, but it is it does definitely warrant a conversation here because beets if you're consuming them consistently and and you're eating them in a higher dose like that you may see this in your stool it may look like blood and that can scare you and i you know i've had that happen we're like oh my gosh it's what i do am i dying you know so don't worry it is normal to see that come out in your stool and um just note if you've had beets prior similar to corn that likes to make an appearance too <laughs> it is really helpful to see what comes out I mean, just ask Carol Channing. I don't know if anyone gets that joke. I'm assuming, nope, Juliana doesn't get it. Adam is looking, Adam's looking. Yeah, you ever seen him. Whose Line Is It Anyway? Ryan Styles had the best Carol Channing impression. Oh, because, okay. Well, we're not going to talk about that. He okay. would really enjoy, she would really enjoy that reference. Oh my God, Adam, don't ever do that again. Oh, you don't want me to do that again? <laughs> Here we go. So this is our last question. This was a really great, this was a really great Q&A episode, at least. I think so. I hope you guys do too. From Facebook, um, Jen, I think has really a wonderful question um, about mindset. She wants to know, how do you get in the right headspace for weight loss and stay there? Oh my God, Juliana, tell us all, please. Jen, thank you for this question. And I've spent this week, I launched my Choose You in 2022 transformation program. And I just had this conversation. I did two calls this week with my 
um, I guess, students or participants in my course. And this is exactly what we talked about. And if you go to the Choose You Now Diet, my book that I just published in December, December 21st, you will see exactly about this. It's all about getting in the mindset because you guys know the nutrition component by now if you've listened to me or read my books prior. But this book, Choose You Now Diet, is all about the mindset. This podcast is all about the mindset. So dig in, go back to prior episodes. Here's the summary, Jen. You have to want it. No matter what, you have to really want it. And you have to want it more than you want all of the temptations and treats that will come your way in the in the coming days and weeks and months, depending on how much weight you have to lose. So what I recommend to my clients, to my audience, to my in my books, everyone, is if you want to lose weight, why do you want to lose weight? How much weight do you have to lose? Really think about it. Write it down. What does it look like to you? And then if you really want it and you're ready because you know you can lead a human to healthy, but you can't make them eat. If and when you're ready, carve out some time. You know, my clients that I work with lose 0.5 to 0.8 pounds of body fat a day consistently we get them to the end of their weight loss goal we carve out a period of time we calculate that's all very calculable where how where you could actually focus in you know it's going to it's going to suck losing weight is not fun it's not sexy it's not entertaining you have to basically eat healthy and not go off plan for a certain period of time but the beautiful part of that if you carve out the time is you get it done so that you can move on with the rest of your life weight maintenance is way easier way less restrictive than the weight loss process but there's no way around it to lose weight you must create a deficit and creating a deficit is not necessarily fun it means when your friend is saying ooh i know you want this cookie and you know you want that cookie or you know come on come out with me juliana come my friends like jules come meet me for you know we're going to go out for the restaurant blah, blah. and it's of course i want to go and of course i want to eat with them so sometimes i go and i'll just have a drink and i don't eat with them or i'll eat my food or i'll eat like i'll get orders something healthy that's that they don't think looks fun and you know what i enjoy the company and i enjoy you know spending time with my friends but really it's there is some form of oh i have to say no to this and there's a little bit of like ugh a little bit this sucks to be me right now kind of a feeling so you have to say no to all those temptations because you want this badly enough just remember that this too shall pass it is temporary if you just get it done and that's what i do with my clients is just try to change the mentality of this is forever and i can never eat again and that diet roller coaster that we all hate and that's why the subtitle of my book is lose weight for the last time hone in pick a period of time Get it done. Give yourself so much love and so much entertainment and so much stress reduction. Soothe and, and entertain yourself with other things other than food. Lots of whatever that means to you. Massages, bubble baths, time with friends and loved ones. Soothe yourself. Nourish yourself with all these other ways. Get it done so you can move on with the rest of your life. Can I also just chime in here really, really quick, Jen? Um, you know, if, if you're also, you know, wanting to exercise, Juliana truly gave me some of the, the the best advice I think I've ever gotten, yet it is so simple. Juliana, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, now. you could say it. Can you say it? Can, no, can you say it for Jen? Well, but this is, but what you just did <laughs> is you conflated two things. This is very important. Oh. Wait, wait, wait. This is very important. Wait, what I say about getting okay. back to, okay. to make sure you get your exercise is that you will never regret it. You will only regret saying no to exercise. However, what you conflated, Sanford, and this is so important. I'm so glad you said this. When I, no, I'm glad you said this because this is what I did as a personal trainer, as a dietitian. I always thought you have to work out more, harder, faster, better to lose weight. And what I've since learned in the last 20 years <laughs> is that exercise 
needs to act. It actually gets in the way of weight loss. So my clients that are losing, you can do it. Of course you can do it, but it does get in the way. It halves the rate of loss with my clients. So I actually have my clients or I invite them to take a break from exercise temporarily, binge watch TV, read all the books they wanted to read, learn a new language, whatever they want to do, but just take a break from exercise during the weight loss process. And exercise is how I bring weight maintenance back. That's how we transition from weight loss to weight maintenance is we start with exercise. So this is all in my book as well, but it's really, it's an interest, it's a crazy concept. Like how could you say exercise should not go along side with weight loss. And I've just seen it over and over and over again. And uh, it's just temporary. I don't, I think there's a million reasons to exercise, but weight loss is not one of them. Weight loss maintenance, it is very important to maintain an exercise routine. So that would go back to what you're saying. When you're in weight loss maintenance, or you're not trying to lose weight, the way to inspire yourself to go to the gym is to just, you know, remind yourself that this will be um, you will only regret it. If you don't go, you will always appreciate it. You always make your day better. If you get that workout in. Yes, that's what I meant. <laughs> okay, no, that's very interesting. That's right. Well, this was great. Thank you so much, everybody, for your questions. Another really, really informative, you know, Q&A in the books. If you guys have any questions, please send us an email. Juliana will give you all of the information. Thank you, producer Sanford. And thank you, of course, our amazing producer, Adam. And if you, and thank you all for all of your questions. We really, we really appreciate them. If you are inspired and enjoy the Choose You Now podcast, become a member of our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash choose you now. P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash choose you now to have access to exclusive bonus content. Please subscribe to the show, rate and review us on iTunes, and send us an email with your questions and comments at chooseyounowpodcast at gmail.com. For nutrition services and more information, visit me at plantbaseddietitian.com. I invite you to choose yourself now, and I'm signing off with lots of leafy green love.